He said, because uh, at that point he had gotten on board with me. He said, I really want you to do this too. And um, I'm telling you, it's just when you do something that you really feel like God's put on your heart, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. <laughs> I think that was one of my illusions at first. I'm like, now, wait a minute. Why is it not so easy? If God put this on my heart, I'm like, well, look at the look at the past decisions I've made because I felt like it was something God wanted me to do. Is it ever really easy? You know, sometimes it's harder um, right, to do the right. things He's called you to do. But there's always a peace, at least for me. Like when you when you know you're going in the right direction, even though it's tough. Some days there's always that peace. Absolutely, and um, that's exactly how it was. I mean, that first. That last day of work, I remember coming in the back door, and of course, you know, I was emotional because I'd been working at the same job for ten years, so it was right. definitely bittersweet. But I remember coming in the back door, and I saw Andrew. And I just got down on my knees and gave him a big old hug, and just waterworks. <laughs> I started crying and crying, and I was like, and he's looking at me like, "Mommy, what is wrong?" Because we've been telling him, you know, he knew it was coming. We kept saying, "Mommy's gonna stay home with you. Mommy's gonna stay home with you." And oh my goodness. So overall, though, yeah, it's been one of the best decisions I've made. That is wonderful. And I'm so glad that Brian was there supporting you and having your back. I definitely think that God probably worked on his heart, too, so that you oh, definitely the agreement there. Yeah, and that was that was a big thing in the beginning because, like I said, you know, I think the, the man tends to worry about the finances more, at least in our, our case, you know, they're, they're the head of the household. and. That's a big responsibility, and I didn't want to put that extra pressure on him. You know, like, hey, if you really don't think we can swing this, I'm not going to keep talking about it, you know? Right, yeah. Well, I know that being a stay-at-home mom or being any mom in general um, <laughs> is is hard work. I mean, it's a hard job to do. So how do you ensure that you have time for yourself, that you can fill your cup so that you have something to give? I definitely still struggle with this. I will say I do feel like it's gotten a little easier, of course, since being at home with him and just getting into a new routine together. Because mm-hmm. that was, honestly, that was one of the, the big decisions for me to stay home. Like me and Brian finally just realized, like, this is just not working for us. I know there's some women, they are awesome at their profession. They can totally swing, you know, a 40-hour job and still be the devoted, happy wife and mother. But I just felt like it had gotten to the point where I just couldn't juggle the two. And I would just come right. home just completely just worn out from work, and I felt like I was giving them the little leftovers. And, like, mm-hmm. rush, rush, rush. I was, like, in drill sergeant mode. Okay, let's let's get washed up. Let's eat dinner. Okay, let's get ready for bed. And at the end of the day, you're like, what, what quality time did I spend with my family, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, not everybody has that issue. Um, but back then, I wouldn't say I felt like I had any time to myself. Not really, you know. It was right. always like go, go, go mode. And um, now I think I've really been able to carve out a little time. My four-year-old is that bad. I don't want a nap stage. <laughs> and with, with mommy, his mommy almost nine months pregnant, that's, you know, not always uh, compatible. But I'm like, look, we're going to at least have some rest time. So we call it quiet rest. And he goes and gets his little stack of books. He can go sit on the couch or he can sit on his bed, wherever he wants. And he just, for the most part, he'll quietly look at books for at least a good half an hour. And at least I can have that time, you know, whatever I choose. I can kick back and relax. I can read. Um, of course, if Brian's here, 
Like right now, I'm like, hey, you know, can you go out in the yard and play with you? And let me, you know, sit and look through some recipe cards, pick out some things for next week, or just little stuff that I enjoy doing, cooking something. Mm -hmm. I think communicating that, you know, communicating that need. Yes, that is a big, big, big thing for sure. I might have to implement the whole quiet, quiet rest in my house. You know, I have a (laughs) four-year-old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, he's, he's, unless he's exhausted. Right. He is pretty much giving up on naps. I'm not tired. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) If only we had just a piece of their energy, right? Yes. (laughs) So how do you ensure that you have time for your marriage um, and keep that strong and going? I would say that's definitely another area that we have struggled with. Um, It's easy just to get caught up. You know, in the day-to-day and your kid, you don't mean to, but your kid kind of comes the center of attention. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, just remembering that Brian came first and he's going to be there, you know, when the kids are grown up and left. So you cannot neglect that. I mean, you can't just put it on the back burner and say, okay, we'll pick it up in 15 years, you know. <laughs> and, um, for, I mean, for us, it's little stuff. Like on um, the whole date night thing, and as some couples are really, really great about that, I wish we were. We do try to be intentional. I'd say at least once a month or so, you know, we try to say, hey, Mom, can you keep Andrew overnight and, you know, let us just have a night to ourselves, whether we go out or we just, you know, have a night here. But um, even when we don't do that, just the little things like, you know, sending him a text during the day or trying to call him at lunch and, um, I haven't done this in a while, but he loves little notes in his lunchbox. Don't tell him I told you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, you know, like the little stuff, you know, just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, it might be crazy busy, and by the time you step in the door, we're in, you know, dinner mode. And Andrew wants all your attention, but I'm still thinking about you. You bring up such a good a good point when you say that, you know, Brian came first and that you can't just kind of put that on the back burner and pick it up. Uh, you know, when the kids are grown, because I think a lot of times, whether it's intentional or not, um, that is what happens. And you just kind of, because kids demand so much attention, you just kind of put them first. And then before you know it, they're grown and in college and you're like, do I even know this person anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And you hear that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's such a good point. And, and and just a little bit, taking the little time to intentionally connect. Like it might, it might literally only be 15, 20 minutes, but, you know, after Andrew goes to bed and, you know, before we're getting ready for bed or something, just he might walk in the room and we just sit on the bed together. Of course, those phones always tend to come out, but put those down. <laughs> right. Put the phones down and just, you know, just lay there talking for a little while. Yeah. And sometimes we'll do that and we'll get it like just kind of smile. You know what? We needed that. Yes, I think being intentional is a key word there because even if you spend, you know, hours with someone, if you're not spending quality time with them, you know, being intentional about what you're doing with that person, it really um, is not the same as if you were spending 15 good minutes with them, you know? For sure, yeah. So do you have any advice for new parents? So you have a four-year-old and you have a new mm-hmm. one coming. 
And we had talked about before about kind of feeling like a first-time parent again, all yes. over again. <laughs> Do you have yes. advice any new parents? Yes, because <clears throat> I've already been telling myself this. Take a deep breath and calm down. <laughs> Because I feel like I feel like looking back, all the things that we worried about with Andrew, like you know him sleeping or taking naps, gaining enough weight, um, you know reaching certain milestones, they all mm-hmm. came to pass. It's like we just in hindsight you realize you kind of worried for nothing, and then just remember I think the biggest thing for me with Andrew, and I'm gonna try to keep that in mind with um, this little baby, all babies are a little different. So try not to compare your baby to every other baby or you're going to drive yourself crazy. Oh, my gosh, my baby, my baby's not sitting up, you know, at six months old. Like, some of those baby, well, that's okay. Your baby more than likely will sit up. You know? Right. Just, yeah. um, trying to relax. They're all on their own little time schedule. That's so true. And I think as moms, I mean, I'm not sure if it is true for you, but it certainly is for me. I have a hard time not comparing my own self to other moms and then my oh, children. Yeah. To other moms. Oh, um, yeah. And so that is such a good point is to just remember that, you know, every child is different and they're going to reach milestones on their own pace and that mm-hmm. that's perfectly okay. So that's mm-hmm. a really good point. Well, even what you just said, that's great advice. Don't compare yourself to other moms. I mean, that's really hard to say and not do, but you'll be a lot saner if you don't. <laughs> For sure. Like, oh, yeah, she she makes all her homemade food and gets all the recipes off Pinterest and all these awesome little <laughs> crafts and stuff. So, you know, hey, if you want to do that, which I did most, mostly make Andrew's food, that's a side note. But, um, I mean, just pick and choose. I mean, your your kid's not going to be doomed if he eats jarred baby food, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might excel in other areas. <laughs> So, obviously, I don't have any children, um, but I think there are some misconceptions <laughs> about parenting. What was your biggest misconception or one that you oh, think For sure, and good question. I think for me, honestly, it was just the idea that it would all come naturally. You know, they always joke and say children don't come with a manual. Oh, you just have to learn. It all comes naturally. And so I really thought a lot of it would be easier for me than it was that first year. And I almost kind of, not almost, I did, sort of toot my own horn, so to speak, about how patient I was at my job, you know, working with these elderly patients or the folks with dementia. And um, please don't think I'm in any way trying to compare, you know, an elderly person with a child. I'm not. But there, <laughs> there were, you know, there were some things about my job because I did work with, you know, sicker elderly people and those with dementia. Um, that sometimes I kind of had this glimpse, like, oh, there's some things I'm already going to be used to. Now, I'm used to being patient with them and having to communicate in a different way. I'm used to having to feed some of them, and some of them are on a special diet, you know, puree food, which sort of looks like, a.k.a. baby food. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, even though I don't work with children anymore, I have, you know, this background. My kid's going to be talking early. And I just really kind of built myself up. I didn't realize I was thinking all these things. And then right. when it really happened, God humbled me. I'm like, okay, yes, babies are nothing like elderly patients. And I, um, but I mean, I really realized that year just how much I needed God. I mean, especially more than ever that first year because I struggled through a lot of postpartum anxiety. 
Um, but I think for me, it's the biggest thing was, oh, this is going to be easy. This is going to come natural. And not all of it does. <laughs> right. Not to scare um, you, Amanda. I see Ashley, her parent, her parenting all the time. So. <laughs> she has seen, she's seen a lot more, I think, than most people who don't have kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, she I'm already knows sure. the raw truth, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, kids are probably, well, I guess I don't know firsthand, but kids are, I, I assume, are frustrating um, or can be. <laughs> so, what do you do during those times of frustration to calm yourself or find your center? Very good question. And I think since staying at home with him, naturally, the longer you're with somebody, it doesn't matter who it is. It can be your best friend, but if you spend 24-7 with her, She's going to bug you. <laughs> and I think, you know, me and Andrew are like that. I mean, we have some days it is just pure bliss. And I'll text Brian like, oh, we've had an amazing day. We did this and this. And then I'll have other days I text him, he's driving me bonkers, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so it's definitely it's definitely not always easy. But I think for me, especially, like I said, since the summer, being with him so much, I've just learned, honestly, to walk away when I need to. And I don't do it in a rude way. And I usually tell him I'm walking away. You know, hey, you're speaking rudely to mommy. You know, mommy doesn't like that, hurt her feelings. I'm going to walk over here. Um, or even for me, like if I feel myself getting so frustrated, just trying to learn to take a deep breath and pray for calm. And then, like I said, that was one of the things I had sort of boasted about, that I'd always been so patient at work. But for some reason, I'm telling you, the people closest to you, they bring it out in you. <laughs> like some, some things that you don't even know are in you, you know, and you're like, oh, gosh, you know, God, you're still working in me too. I don't like this this frustration <laughs> and and easily angered um, part of me that comes out sometimes. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the expression. We used to do it at my church with our old pastor years ago when I first started going to that church. Um, called a breath prayer, and they would um, pass them out on little cards some Sunday. This is very very short prayer, one sentence. But you say it like as you breathe in and breathe out. And I'm telling you, just just simply doing the deep breathing in and out can really calm you. But I would say, you know, Lord, calm me or Lord, teach me patience or whatever it was I needed in that moment. And just just sitting there and trying to just calm myself down. Because the more worked up we get as a parent, the more worked up they're going to get. Absolutely, 100%. And I don't I always excel. So when I don't, I try to be quick and, you know, go to him and say, look, Mommy is so sorry. Mommy was really ugly to you just then. You know, please forgive me. You know, just trying to model that the best I can. And that, I'm so glad you said that because I think, speaking from personal experience, sometimes we think just because they're kids, that they don't deserve an apology when we are wrong because right. maybe they won't understand or whatever. And it's so not true. And it right. teaches them such a good lesson when you say, hey, listen, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So that when they do something wrong, they realize they need to apologize too. And then it's a lesson on mm-hmm. forgiveness. And so um, that's, that's such true. a good point. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, and and they're little people at the end of the day, and I don't know why. Like I said, you know, I could always be so patient with adults and people at work, but we just, like you said, we think we can just kind of treat them however we want to sometimes, and that's definitely not the case. 
Um, who do you turn to besides your spouse as a support system to help you as a parent? You know what? We did a Bible study, and we kind of brought this up a couple years ago at my church with a group of women, just how much this has changed compared to when our grandparents had kids. You know, I was thinking back then, they, for one thing, they probably had more children and older children that could help out. But there might have been, mm-hmm. you know, their their parents living in the home, more of a village. And we certainly don't live in as much of a village anymore. And I think a lot of women mm-hmm. feel like they kind of go it alone, and it's hard. Um, but I would say, in general, I definitely turn to my mom, you know, and, and either ask her questions, ask her advice, or just simply talking to her about it. Because I'm like, hey, she's my mom, you know, she's of course, going through this, and then um, a couple friends at church, you know, when we happen to get together and we'll talk about the kids or we'll text each other, and my sister, now that she has a child, and she's a lot younger than Andrew, but still, she's, I'm able to give her encouragement and sort of be a little bit of her village. Yeah. And prayer, oh my goodness, little ones (laughs) bring you to your knees quite often. (laughs) Um, There's an article that was recently written by Dr. James Dobson called uh, 10 Traits of Successful Christian Parenting, where he said that success to him as a parent is to raise kids in a manner that cultivates their hearts to God. So what would you Mm -hmm. say is the ultimate goal of Christian parenting? I like the way he worded that. I actually do agree with him. And I I mean, I want my kids to grow up and have a genuine faith in -hmm. Christ. You know, I've always heard the old saying that you can't get into heaven on your your parents' coattails or whatever. I um, mean, it's yeah, got to be there. It's got to become their own. But I also realize we're not in control of their lives. We may have influence, you know, especially more so when they're young, but ultimately we're not in control. And right. um, you know, I want mm-hmm. my children to see Jesus in me and Brian and that we're trying to continue to grow in our faith and pretty much bringing them along on the journey, whatever that's going to look like. You know, they could be the child that comes to Christ when they're six or seven. That would be wonderful. They might be the, the prodigal child that, you know, strays and comes back years later. They might be the child. I know a man at my church, his children are grown, and he's still praying for his son to come to Christ. I mean, that's definitely something we do not have control over ultimately. Right, right. And I think just doing, you know, planting the seeds, bringing them along, you know, like I said, on your faith journey. And also I think remembering that there's another purpose behind parenting. And I think that's to keep molding and shaping us. You know, just like with oh. marriage, there's so many things that God teaches us through marriage. And there's tons of things he teaches us through parenting. Absolutely. <laughs> Focus on the family has an assessment called the seven traits of effective parenting, and it goes through questions to assess uh, love, respect, boundaries, grace, and a few others. What would you say are some traits for effective parenting for you? I think a few of them we've kind of mentioned um, as we've been talking, but the whole idea of modeling, you know, modeling Jesus' love, modeling that behavior to them, like forgiveness. For me, remembering, like, Second Corinthians just keeps popping in my head a lot with Andrew. And then remembering, you know, the whole love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily angered. You know, those things. Humbleness. Like yes. I said, it definitely humbles you sometimes. Um, compassion toward them. And being flexible, I think, is another must. 
Um, you know, we might yeah. be set on one path or one method of doing something, and it just doesn't work for your child. And you have to kind of be willing to quickly try something else. What is something that you and your family like to do for fun? <laughs> I was actually talking to Brian about this the other night as I was kind of glancing over some of your questions. And he kind of gave me that, like, uh, what do we do for fun? <laughs> and I laughed, and I was like, because like you said, Ashley, we do have that tendency to kind of compare. And I'm like, oh, well, we don't, I was like, what do you call it? Like, our kind of fun. I was like, we don't, we don't go out, you know, and take vacations left and right, per se, or, you know, go to the movies every weekend. I was like, what do we do? And the only word I could come with is just low-key, old-school, quality time around the house is mostly our thing. But... We do. Yeah. We love going outside together and even just me plopping the lawn chair down beside his sandbox and watching him play and then Brian's, you know, tinkering in the garage or just kind of being together around the house. We love going to the park together, um, cooking together, eating and you know, sharing meals together. And we do like, you know, little day trips like, hey, let's hop in the car and let's go to this little train museum or you know, just little things like that together and board games, card games. Music's a big thing for us, and you know, serving at church together, especially things that we can bring Andrew along now that he's a little older. He can join in. I love, I love it. I love, um, I, I think we probably don't do this enough in my family. <laughs> we are um, always on the go. So when we do have a chance to stay at home, sometimes I feel like we – don't appreciate it as good because we're so used to going and going and going. But I love that you guys are able to just spend quality time, like you said, by the sandbox or, you know, cook together. That is wonderful. I love that. And like you said, on the outside, like when we were talking about it last night, we're kind of like, huh, that might seem lame to some, but this is truly like what we enjoy. You know, it's just us. So I – I'm an advocate for family traditions. I don't like change, per se. Um, (laughs) Do you think that family traditions are important? And if so, what are some traditions that you and your family do? No, I do think they're important. I do think, though, they can change generation to generation if you want them to. (laughs) So certainly, (laughs) like, you know, if you have things that you did when you were a child, Amanda, and you're like, that was just so special to me. You know, you, you mm-hmm. certainly want to maybe continue those. Um, but it's yeah. also neat to think that you are your own family, you know, whether or not you even have children, and you can make your own tradition. Mm-hmm. So for us, something we started um, not too long after we got married, I don't think, really, probably that first birthday that we shared together, is we try to take off a day of work on or near our birthday, and we just spend it together, whether we take a little short road trip or we just hang around, you know, the town together. Uh, we've been doing that since we got married, and then when Andrew was still in daycare, we did the same with him. We would take him out on his birthday or a day close to his birthday and just take him somewhere special, like, you know, Marble Museum in Raleigh or whatever he wanted to do. Looking at Christmas lights every year, that is definitely something I did when I was a kid. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Always loved it, you know, usually on Christmas Eve or at least a few nights before Christmas. Just hopping in the car in your pajamas and riding around town. And uh, we've done that with Andrew since he was like six months old. Of course, couldn't even really see anything, but um, <laughs> we've, we've done it since then. 
that's something Mason likes to do too. We all piled into um, my granddaddy's suburban. It was like I don't know, eight of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go, go look at the um, what is that road called? All on the West Canterbury yes. Trent Road. Yeah, Trent. Yeah, on Trent oh. Road. Trent Woods. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I, I don't think I've been there. You should definitely see mm-hmm. Andrew. Um, they have these big—I don't know how to explain it other than balls—just these big lit balls that they hang all over in the trees and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And just about every house down this one or two roads have some form of Christmas decorations. They're so pretty. You definitely should take them. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a neighborhood? Yeah, it's Trent Woods. Oh, in, okay. um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to check it out. I think, or, yeah, I think something that people often struggle with recently because there are so many options is um, what kind of school they want their kids to go to. Um, so I know that you mm-hmm. and Ashley are approaching school age. Um, mm-hmm. So there's Public school, private school, religious-based private schools, homeschooling, all the options. Um, what is your opinion on those different options? Do you guys have a plan? You know what? That is another thing that has definitely changed throughout the years. And ultimately, I don't really feel like there's a right answer. I think it's different for each family. And as me and Brian were bringing this up recently, because we are still trying to discern this you know, for ourselves, a lot of families don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Like for us, for us to even sit and debate it, it's a luxury. And even think mm-hmm. about the option of private or homeschool. Because for a lot of families, like okay, there's no choice. I'm working. I can't afford to send you anywhere else. You have to go to public school. And um, right. I don't like, I don't like when anybody, you know, acts like one choice is worse or better than the other. You know, because it's not. Right. I really think it's just different. It's not that it's better or worse. And um but that is something we're still praying about. I think God can and will bless, you know, whatever choice we decide. Um I think back of, you know, when I was choosing colleges and whatnot. <laughs> Excuse me. And you know, back at that age we put such a huge emphasis on it, like, you know, I wanna make sure I'm I'm doing God's will, you know, which which college should I go to? And we're just putting so much emphasis and stress on it. And I had a um, campus pastor at our church and he had preached about that and he said, you know, I really think God would bless you no matter which have, which college you, you chose to go to. Like, don't get so caught up in those little details, but how you can serve and where you are. And um, yes. I think for us, that's kind of the same thing about school. I think, you know, we, we happen to be in a district we think is a great school. We've heard great things about it. If we choose to send him there next year for kindergarten, I think it'll be awesome. Um, we're still toying with the idea of homeschool at least maybe for a little while. I don't know. It's just that's another thing that kind of came on my heart out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't feel qualified. You know, I'm not a teacher and all this kind of stuff. But I've had some people speak into me without even knowing that this was something I had been struggling with. An older lady in my church, and she, we were talking about me being at home. And she said, oh, are you thinking about homeschooling? She said, and I would think with your background, you'd be a perfect fit. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> but uh, just little things like that. And we have been doing like a homeschool pre-K because he is mm-hmm. pre-K aged. And we are really enjoying it. I mean, it's super laid back. It's super flexible. It honestly averages only about three days a week, you know, mostly in the morning. But 
he's just catching on and he's already learned so much. So I'm not sure what we'll end up doing next year. Um, you know, at this point, especially with the baby, that's going to complicate some things. But, right. um, yeah, so join us in prayer about that. I think either way we'll have a peace, you know, which way we go. Absolutely. And I, I really love what you said about none of the options being better than the other because I know I've heard all kinds of things. Oh, well, you have to send them to the private school. Oh, don't mm-hmm. send them to public school. I've heard the opposite yeah. as well. And so I I really do think that, number one, obviously, what you said is a great point about God blessing you wherever you are, as long as you have the right attitude and, and an open heart. But also right. um, that it depends on the child. You know, every child sure. is different. They all learn differently. And, you know, what works for one may not work for another. So um, mm-hmm. keeping your eyes open and, and just really true. like praying about it is is such a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, this is our last question, I think. Uh, what book okay. are you reading or what is your favorite book? You know, I have always liked to read. In high school and college, I felt like I read all the time. Well, maybe not so much in college because at that point I had too much other stuff I was required to read. Um, but I have always joined it. And I felt like, you know, since being married and stuff, I've kind of put that on the back burner. But mm-hmm. since staying home, like Andrew loves books. He loves to, to read to him. He's starting to read a few, like, super, super simple books, you know, like little simple words, and I'm helping him, and he just loves it. It's just something he, I'm not even pressuring him to do. He just enjoys it. And so we go to the library, usually every week, um, the Winterville Library, and it finally occurred to me after we've been going a few weeks, I'm like, why am I just getting all these books for him? I need to be showing him that <laughs> I can read, too, you know? So I started picking back right. up books, and I have really enjoyed getting back into it. That's another one of those things now when he's having his quiet rest. Even if I'm like, okay, you know, he's probably only going only gonna to give me about 20, 30 minutes. I can't really go to sleep, but I can lay here and stretch out and read. And right. so last night when I was having some of my pregnancy insomnia, <laughs> I picked <laughs> up um, a book. It's Christian Fiction. It's by Lori Copeland, if you've heard of her. And the book was called Walker's Wedding. And I was getting so into it. I'd already been reading it for a few days. I sat up and finished that whole book last night. Just could not put it down. Um, so I like <laughs> a lot of Christian fiction. It's just real lighthearted. It's, a lot of these books are set back in the older days, you know, Western days, which I've always kind of have a fondness for. And then also um, there's a devotional, which I have not really been reading as a devotional because sometimes the chapters are so good, or the devotions, I should say, that I'll end up just reading two or three back-to-back. But it's called Sacred Parenting, and it's by Gary mm-hmm. Thomas. And uh, we have the Sacred Marriage Devotional, too. We've read through that at least three or four times since we've been married. But the Sacred Parenting one, I kind of left Brian out on that. I just ended up reading it mostly by myself if he hasn't been around or whatever. Um, But that's another really good one. Awesome. I'm going to look those up. So that was all for, like, the major questions. But we do have some rapid-fire questions that – we will ask you, and basically they're just like one or two word answers, okay. a fun little thing to do. So here we go. All right. What is your favorite Netflix series? Well, that one is an easy one because we don't even have Netflix, and the joke <laughs> around my house is that uh, 
my husband says, what, did you, like, grow up under a rock or something? Because TV is just not my thing. <laughs> TV is just not my thing. I, mean, I could think of shows, of course, when I was younger that I really got into. Um, but even though we haven't picked it up lately, I was definitely a Downton Abbey fan. And so we watched oh. countless, countless reruns of that show. Um, that's just, just one of my shows. Awesome. You know, I can totally your, kick it old school and just sit, plop down and watch Little Fortune, you know, if I wasn't looking <laughs> after Andrew. <laughs> I really love Little Fortune, too, secretly. Yeah, <laughs> I do. What is your favorite piece of fall clothing or your favorite fall staple? Just a cardigan. I have so many <laughs> tank tops with, like, two or three little cardigans. I'm like, I, I can always just throw that together. Instant outfit. Yes. Very simple. Do you prefer Coco Pepsi? Okay. This is another one that's going to shock people. <laughs> I do not drink soda. I cannot <laughs> tell you the, I cannot tell you the last time I have had a soda. We used to drink it, you know, a lot growing up. And then my dad had had um, heart surgery, actually, when he was pretty young. I was in high school. And I will not say they turned into health nuts by any means, but there were definitely some quick changes. You know, we quit buying soda and started buying, you know, lower-fat milk and things like that. And honestly, your taste just changed. Like, when you get used to not having something, right? Like to me, now, if I take a sip of it, and every once in a while, you know, we go out to eat and Brian will get a soda or something, I'll say, well, let me just have a little taste. And um, <laughs> it just feels strong to me. Like, I make this face, and he laughs. He's like, you would think you're drinking alcohol or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't like it. So do you normally drink water, or what do you normally drink? Yeah, around here, like, Andrew's just like me, which, of course, he's four, so, of course, I'm not going to load him up on soda yet. But, um, yeah, we <laughs> drink a lot of water. We do like juice and, you know, milk and that kind of thing. Once in a while, we'll make sweet tea, of course. I don't know many mm-hmm. folks around here that don't drink sweet tea. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you have an iPhone or an Android? I have an iPhone, but it is only because of my husband's doing, and it's his hand-me-down iPhone. <laughs> he ragged and ragged me for the longest time. I think I've had this one maybe about two years, and it's honestly getting close because he had it for two or three years before he gave it to me. So it's definitely not new by any stretch of the means. Um, but he kept saying, you have got to get a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wear heels or flats? Oh, my goodness, girl. For one thing, I've always felt like I was a giant, and I'm not, but I am about 5'6". And so having short family members all around me, I never liked wearing heels because I always felt like I was that much taller. Um, so I would, if I did, it was like a teeny, teeny little heel. <laughs> and I never felt like I was that graceful, you know, to walk in them anyway. So I would say definitely flat. <laughs> Do you wear hats or scarves? I'm not a hat person. Give me a scarf. <laughs> I hear you. Painted nails or natural nails? Oh, natural. Except for toenails. I always keep my toenails painted for some reason, although you never see those in the fall and winter. Me too. Right. Me too. <laughs> Do you prefer silver or gold? Silver. And your hair curly or straight? Uh, more straight, I guess, but it's sort of an in-between. 
Pookie. And do you have... <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> do you have a favorite coffee drink? Oh, oh gosh. No, people are going to think, what does this woman do? Maybe she did live under a rock. I don't drink, I don't drink coffee either. I drink tea. I like hot tea. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, okay. I've got, so what's your favorite? Uh, yeah, I've got a vanilla, I think it's called honey vanilla chamomile, which is wonderful. And I add just a little extra honey. Very good. And green See, tea. That- I like green tea. Is that sounds so good to me. That flavor just sounds so good, but I cannot it's really good. drink. I just cannot. I, it has to have ice in it, and I don't think that would taste as good with ice in it. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of grows on you. I actually, um, in grad school, I met up with a girl. She was from India, and she loved hot tea. And it was, you got time for a quick funny story? Oh, yeah. So I had gone over to work on a project with her. And, of course, she's, you know, do you want anything to drink or to eat? And I said, no, no, you know, don't go through any trouble. So I was going to make some green tea. And she made it, you know, on the stove and the whole thing, boiled the water. And um, they have, you know, of course, a lot of British influence in India. So she put milk in her tea, which I'd never done. I don't do that personally, but it was good at that time. I was like, oh, wow, good tea. And uh, so the next time I went to her house to work on a project, she asked me the same thing. You know, do you want anything to eat or drink? Yeah, probably been a couple of weeks or so had passed, and I didn't want to put her through any trouble, but I remembered how good that tea was. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, you know, I was like, if you don't mind, I'll take something to drink, you know, whatever you're drinking or some of the green tea. And I, it was all I could do not to bust out laughing when she opens the fridge and brings me a bottle of Lipton green tea <laughs> out of the bottle. <laughs> and we, we joked. Yes, we joked for the longest time after that. Like I was like, "Wow, it is not taking you long to learn our American ways, has it?" <laughs> Thank you for tuning in and listening. If you have any questions or have a topic you want to hear us talk about, you can email them to faithandfashion at twoposhpineapples.com. If you enjoyed today's topic, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll get a notification when new episodes drop. Also, let others know what you think by giving us some stars and leaving a review.